Well, welcome to City First Church. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the building. We're so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, I want to say what's up to you. What's up to everybody in Cape? And can we, come on, can we make some noise for all of our God behind bars locations? And uh, anyone watching on uh, the Pando app as well. If you don't know what the Pando app is, it's an app uh, that is actually preloaded on tablets across prisons all across America. There's 400,000 tablets on the Pando app is spiritual content. And one of the churches that is selected on the Pando app is City First Church. And so we're streaming right now. And so we, we love all of the families and uh, inmates that are, are watching this message. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking a lot about Jesus. I love Jesus. It's actually why we're all here. And I think it's interesting being a Christian in 2021. Uh, ironically, I believe that there are groups of Christians who now don't want to be associated with other Christians because Christianity can sometimes get a negative connotation, especially in America. And I think we should be proud to be Christians. And while the brand of Christianity doesn't always get raving reviews, you know, you think about your family members, your co-workers, your friends that aren't church people, wouldn't consider themselves religious at all. They don't think highly of, of a lot of Christians. And although that may be true, I do believe that we are living in a day and an hour where our communities need Jesus more than ever. And I think part of the tension with being a Christ follower is that there's the groups of Christians that you can feel like you're in with, that you're good enough to be around them. And then there's other groups of Christians where you feel like, ah, I'm kind of an outsider with them. In fact, if you're not a Christian, it should be pretty confusing as to what it means to really be one. Did you know there are 13,000 different denominations just in America? That's 13,000 different groups of men and women that sat in rooms and said, we're Christian, but with a twist. Okay, we, 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 we do things differently than those people. In fact, those other 12,999 groups, well, they're probably wrong. Okay, like, like we all think we're right. And you've got some Christians that drink, some that don't. Some cuss, you might be one of those, some don't. Some listen to secular music, some don't. Some allow guitars in their services, some they don't. Uh, some have odd bumper stickers and t-shirts, some don't. Some go to church every week. Some only go to church on Easter and Christmas. Uh, some read their Bibles a lot, some don't. Some pray for hours, some only pray right before they're about to eat. I know all types of Christians, don't you? I mean, like when you think about all of the Christians that you know in your life, you think, well, they don't all come in the same shapes and sizes. And when they don't, man, it can be pretty difficult to really understand, well, who's in and who's out. Sometimes the people who are quote-unquote in give the appearance of perfection, leaving the people that aren't perfect on the outside looking in. I wonder how many people are tuning in today where you showed up to this building and you just feel like you've never really been good enough to be a Jesus follower. You might think to yourself that you're too angry to be a Jesus follower. You're too broken, too hurt to be a Jesus follower. You might say, Ryan, you, I got a past. You stole some stuff. 
You slept with the wrong person. You've been abused. Maybe you've done some abusing yourself. You've cheated on people, maybe taxes. You've let people down that you love the most. I wonder if there's a dad in the building today that's getting happy Father's Day texts from everybody but their own children. And you may be here today looking in the rearview mirror of your life wondering what on earth Jesus could possibly do with your life. Everything and anything is possible when you have handed your life over to Jesus Christ. Today, I want to look at a follower of Jesus in Scripture that I think we all can relate to the most, and his name is Peter. He has a few moments in his life that we're going to look at where he has some setbacks and some failures, but God continues to keep using him anyway. And uh, Peter often makes some mistakes that I think we often make too. And my thesis for today's message is if Peter makes the list of what it takes to be a follower of Jesus, then I think we all have hope. The title of today's message is called The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. And I think we all are going to find ourselves at the end of this message in the Breakfast Club, the first moment that I want us to see in Peter's life is found in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. It says, immediately after this, speaking of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, I've had the honor and privilege of being in Israel. I've been to Jerusalem. I've actually been to the Sea of Galilee. It is a gorgeous place. In fact, if you ever get an opportunity to go to Israel, a lot of Israel has been commercialized for tourists to see lots of iconic spaces around Israel. But the one place that can't be commercialized is the Sea of Galilee. You can't change the sea. It's just the Sea of Galilee. It is what it is. It is what it was now as it was then. It's the Sea of Galilee. It is beautiful. It is so calming during the day. At nighttime, it's creepy, okay? I had jet lag. I was up at 3 in the morning. I said, I know this verse. I want to go see what the Sea of Galilee is like at 3 in the morning. Trust me, I completely understand why the disciples would have thought Jesus was a ghost. If somebody would have popped out at 3 in the morning at the Sea of Galilee, I promise you, I would have took off running so fast, okay? No, no question about it. But then the scripture says this. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Peter done lost his mind, okay? Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. What? Why? For what? What are you trying to prove, buddy? 
He could have easily said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me what I ate for breakfast today. Okay, like, Lord, if it's really you, tell me what my favorite color is, blue. Okay, it's you, Jesus. I mean, there are several ways to figure out if it's Jesus. I'm just not the type of person that would want to play truth or dare with Jesus. Okay, like, why are we doing this, okay? If I was another disciple on the boat with Peter, I would have said, hey, bro, you all by yourself on this one, okay? We could have easily just waited for Jesus to come to us. He said, don't be afraid and take courage. That's what I'm going to do. You want to take that courage thing to a whole new level, getting out of this boat. I don't know why you're trying to die trying to impress Jesus. I'm going to impress Jesus right here from this boat. You understand me? And then what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw a strong wind and strong waves, he was terrified, began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? The first thing I want you to know about Peter's life is Peter had his doubts. And so do we. If you're here today and you're like, man, I, there's just some questions I have not been able to reconcile. There are some things about following Jesus I just don't get. And I have my doubts. Guess what? You've got biblical company. Jesus' right-hand right man has his doubts. And you want to know what will give you doubts? Winds and waves. Storms will do that to you. Crashing waves will do that to you. Bills will do that to you. Student loans will do that to you. Cancer will do that to you. Divorce will do that to you. Loneliness will do that to you. There are just those scenarios in life that shake you at your core and make you doubt God all together. One should note that the disciples found themselves in a storm by doing exactly what Jesus asked them to do. Go home. Go home. And they did. And they found themselves getting in a storm by actually obeying God. Have you ever been trying to obey God while things are seemingly getting worse? Have you ever taken the next step that God asked you to take and you're like, why is it that it feels worse than it did before? Yet in the middle of a storm, Jesus asked his followers to take courage because he was there. He didn't tell them not to worry. He just said, take courage. Your boy is here. You ever have that person in your life when they show up, there's just immediate joy. Like, they just show up, and it's an instant party. You just feel good whenever. They hadn't even said anything, but immediately when they walk in a room, it puts a smile on your face. When they walk in, you just get peace. Like, oh, we good, we good, we good. You might have that baller friend in your life. When they show up at the restaurant, you're like, I know I ain't even got to pay tonight. It's about to be a good lunch. Like, like you just get a calming presence when they get there. You're like, yeah, we good, you know? And then you got those people in your life, when they show up, you immediately feel anxious, right? They, like you have an uneasiness about their presence. Every Thanksgiving, the food is good, but when they get there, it just tastes different. You're just like, I don't even know how you want to be here anymore. Like, yet Jesus is going, I want my followers to know something. I'm here. 
which means my presence means you're going to be all right. Peter was aware of Jesus' presence, but he was more aware of his winds and his waves. He was more aware of his problem. His faith led him to walk on water. His fear almost killed him. I think our biggest challenges can be our biggest opportunities to build our faith or lose our faith. I'll give you an example. I know many people who have lost their faith because they lost a loved one. They lost a loved one and they couldn't reconcile what God was up to and they said, I'm done. I've also watched people lose a loved one and grow closer to God. And at the memorial service, had the courage to lift their hands in the sky and say, God, I put my faith in you for the first time. I've seen that happen at memorial services. Same situation. One brought them closer to God, and one made them steer away from him. And I think that's on us. But even in the midst of his doubts, Jesus still reached out his hand to pick him up right where he was. If you find yourself having some doubts, and find yourself sinking, you must understand Jesus' position towards you. Some of us believe Jesus' position towards us when we have our doubts is, shame on you. Some of us didn't even know Jesus was doing that. Some of us think Jesus is going, And, and here's the best part of, of this story of Peter's. It says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. This is some very interesting storytelling if we're paying great attention to what Matthew is telling us. Because in verse 31, it says that Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And then immediately in the story, he tells us when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, here is what I think is absolutely amazing about this story. And, it, and the best part of the story is what the Bible doesn't say that we know is true. I'll do a recap for you, okay? Uh, let's say that this is the shore over here. Jesus says, go home. The disciples go out. They sail out. They're in the boat. They find themselves in a storm. They're freaking out. All of a sudden, they see Casper. No, they see Jesus, okay? It's a friendly ghost. Okay, they see the ghost. Over there, they say, oh, it's a ghost. Jesus says, nah, it's me. We good. Peter wants to play, truth or dare, and says, all right, let's, let's, get on, let's go ahead and try and walk on water and go see Jesus. He gets out of the boat, starts walking towards Jesus, almost drowns, almost dies. Jesus reaches out his hand and says, why did you just have so much little faith? And then Matthew fast forwards the story. and says, when they climb back into the boat, that's when the wind stopped, which... If Peter walked an unknown distance in a storm, almost drowned, Jesus saved him, and the storm didn't stop until they got back in the boat, that would mean that Jesus and Peter walked back through the storm together. The winds and waves are still going, and Jesus is still walking with them. And it didn't stop until they got back into the boat. I have to wonder who in the building and who on the Internet has found themselves walking through a storm alone. What Peter found out on the Sea of Galilee 
was that Jesus walks with his followers through the storm. Even in our doubts, Jesus walks with us anyway. If you find yourself going through a storm, don't go through it without Jesus. I want to encourage you this weekend to invite God to your doubts. The next instance we see Jesus' final hours with his disciples He's giving them some pretty harsh words and some harsh news before the good news happens. He says, Mark 14, verse 27, on the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. All of you. Which is an odd statement to say to your most loyal follower. All of us will desert me. What? Then verse 28 says, but after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Translation, Jesus, I'm ready to die. Jesus, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others bowed the same. What we see happen next in the journey of Peter is he ends up denying Jesus three times. Exactly how Jesus predicted. Jesus ain't wrong. Like he knew. Three times and three times it happened. For Peter, walking around with the most powerful man to ever live made him feel good about where he was in life. And the Messiah was thought to come to save Israel from the Romans. So the idea of walking around with the guy, the Savior, meant something. But when it wasn't beneficial to be known, as someone who was close to Jesus, Peter pretended three times not to know Jesus. Peter vowed. He made a promise that he couldn't keep. And don't we often do the same? Sometimes we overpromise and underdeliver. Sometimes we fall short of our own expectations. I think it's interesting that Peter denied Jesus three times. You know he felt guilty the first time. Ooh, man, I shouldn't have said that. That's my God. I can't, can't, ain't going to happen again. And then the second time, woo, I mean, it was pressure. I, I'll get better next time. By the third time, he's probably thinking, maybe this is who I am. Maybe I'm just not cut out to be a Jesus follower. Have you ever made the same mistake over and over and over again? Have you ever had to deal with the same insecurity more than once? Have you ever had to learn a lesson the hard way by learning it multiple times? Have you ever had to teach a hard lesson a hard way by teaching it multiple times? Every parent, every dad in the building knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because how many times do we have to explain things to a child before they get it? My son is at the age where he's mimicking what I do and now I have to be more careful than ever what I say and how I talk with friends on the phone, and most importantly, what I scream at the TV whenever I'm watching sports on television because I'm realizing that this six-year-old is listening to every single word that comes out of my mouth. I was watching a game a few months back, and I screamed at the TV, Bro, that's trash! 
bro, you're playing like trash right now. Bro, the next week the word trash made its way into my son's vocabulary. He looked at me first thing in the morning and said, Dad, your breath is trash. <laughs> What'd you say? Put some food in front of him, some nice vegetables. He said, this is trash. Well, you know what? Listen, boy, you better stop with this. He said, I learned it from you. This ain't about me. It's about you. And now we're retraining him not to use the word trash. And he's like, this is garbage. I go, wait, listen, no. I said, son, you, we don't use trash or garbage in reference to other humans, food cooked for you, or opponents in your soccer games, okay? Like, we don't do that, okay? Sometimes it takes a few times for us to learn some things. Sometimes you miss the mark a few times before you hit your target. Sometimes you date the wrong person a few times before you find the right one. But what I love about Jesus is even when we're not faithful, Jesus remains faithful. Do you see what he said? Do you see? He, he said, I know what you all are going to do. All of you are going to desert me. But meet me in Galilee anyway. Hey, you'll deny me three times. Yeah, it's going to be horrible. I can't believe you do that. I can't believe you because I told you it was going to happen before you knew it was going to happen. But meet me in Galilee. Anyways, you, you might not be the most faithful person in the room, but God is still going meet at the rendezvous spot anyway. What you do is not going to keep God from doing what he's going to do. For every person watching today's message that needs a second chance to get it right, guess what? You're fitting in perfectly with Jesus' right-hand man because he needs a second, a third, and a fourth, and a fifth chance like we all do. For everything you didn't get right the first time, God's not shaking his head at you. God is madly in love with you, and even if you fail to do your part, God is always going to be faithful to do his part. And two verses later, it says he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 37 says, then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon. Are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Peter, James, and John were all invited to the garden. Jesus found all three sleeping. But the scripture says, he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? He ain't got that high expectations of James and John. Let them both say, but not you, Peter. We walked the water together. Come on, bro. You ever been singled out like that? Peter's having a rough go of it. I mean, we're on our third instance, and even I'm up here thinking, Jesus, you might need a new number two. I'm just saying, I don't. Peter doesn't seem to be all that qualified for what you need to save the world because Peter disappointed you. Peter disappointed people. So do we. Sometimes we fail the people we love 
But you and I serve a God that never fails. We serve a God that is always good even when we fail. Even when our circumstances aren't good, our God is always good. We might fail, but God never fails. And then right after he falls asleep on Jesus, we see one of the most iconic verses that describes Peter. If you could describe Peter in one verse, it would be this one. John 18.10, King James Version says it like this. Then Simon Peter having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. You ever smote somebody? Like you ain't never even used that word. Like you ain't never walked into a, into a bar and said, you don't want this smoke. Like nobody says that. But Peter, he smote, he's smoking people. You know what I'm talking about? I mean... Peter, you're walking around with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You have healed the sick. You have walked on water. You have seen the dead come back to life. But you keep a dagger on you just in case something pop off? I mean, Peter was a thug, boy. I love it. He's like, listen, I'm saved, but listen, don't mess with me, all right? Like, I'm, I'm with Jesus, but I'm also, I got a past, okay? Don't, don't try me. I mean, isn't he just the most relatable Christ follower? Because I think there's a lot of us that live by the mantra, I love Jesus, but I will still cut you, okay? You're like, which of the 13,000 is the cutter tribe? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like we, 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 still got, we still packing just a little bit, you know? Peter lost his cool. So do we. Sometimes we're not our, our best selves. Sometimes we get hangry. Sometimes we just lose it. And here's how Jesus responded to Peter. We see it in Luke chapter 22. It says, but Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed can you see this in the scripture? Peter, ah! Jesus, Peter, what in the world are you doing? My bad, dude, my bad, you be all right. What? Here's Jesus covering for Peter. It's like he's illustrating in one moment to Peter what he plans to do for all humanity cover us. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the mercy and grace of God that covers our past failures and our missteps. I know you've made some mistakes. I know you've got some failures. I know we all have some days and nights we wish we could get back, but thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ that covers our sins. I wanted to take a few moments today just to outline Peter's history and see how it often aligns with ours. We have our doubts. We make promises we often can't live up to. We let people down. Sometimes we lose our cool. I wanted you to just have some background on the life of Peter so we all could understand the magnitude of what we're about to read next. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus has been crucified, but the game ain't over. And we read this, it says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He ain't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, 
This is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, watch this, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. You may have never noticed this in the resurrection story, but Peter is one of the unsung heroes of the resurrection story. I want you to think about this for a minute. We have God who has a grand plan to send his one and only son to the planet to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. He sends him here in human flesh to live on the earth for 33 and a half years. He lived a perfect life and was crucified. And on the third day, the stone was rolled away. And the angel is chilling on the right side of the tomb. And he goes, hey, I got an announcement. I got good news, everybody. Jesus is alive. And I want you to go tell the fellows we're getting the band back together. And oh, by the way, make sure you include Peter. God saw this before time began. He says, when the stone gets rolled away, I want the angel to make this announcement that Jesus is alive. But make sure we got a message for one man. Make sure you include Peter. You know the guy that's sulking? The guy that, that was disloyal? The guy that had his doubts? The guy that disappointed people? The guy that denied that even? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you include Peter. Tell Peter. God sees him. Tell Peter God hasn't forgotten about him. Tell Peter God's not done with his life. Tell Peter God knows his mistakes and still has good news for him. Tell Peter God knows his history and still wants to use him to build his church. I think somebody came to church today so God could tell you you're included. personalize this he's like I know a lot of people that are just like Peter make sure they know that the good news is for them too if you will trust God with your future there is no failure that can keep you from the destiny God has planned for your life you're included ironic. Jesus dies. Peter denies him. Scripture tells us that the disciples did desert Jesus. They scattered and went back to their old jobs. The boss is dead. Peter goes back to fishing and here's how the story ends in John chapter 21. It says afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way early in the morning. Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. 
None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Who's invited to the breakfast club? Every disciple that fell asleep, every disciple that turned their back on Jesus, every screw-up, every single one of them that doubted him was invited to breakfast. The Last Supper is iconic, and we love the picture, but I believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ is illustrated in the last breakfast. My friends, I could spend an entire year going through who God used in Scripture and their flaws. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk and had some regrets as a result of it. Samson's kryptonite was women. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and then had someone murdered to cover it up. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Moses stuttered. Timothy had ulcers. Abraham was too old. Paul was a murderer and Lazarus was dead. Don't tell me that one touch of heaven can't turn your life around and give the next year of your life more purpose than you've ever had before. If you've ever failed in your life, I got one simple message for you this weekend. Welcome to the breakfast club. You got company and it's just a group of people that can simply admit that they need Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life or maybe today you say I need to rededicate my life to Christ with no one looking around if you say hey Ryan I want to be in the breakfast club I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Would you just lift up your hand right now and say, hey, Ryan, that's me. Ryan, that's me. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's awesome. I see your hand, bro. I see that. Anybody else? I see a couple hands back there. I see your hand. That's awesome. I'm sure there are hands all over at every location. Come on, can we all say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I ask now that you would be the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender my future and my past to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, can we make some noise for every single person that gave their heart to Christ?